Good morning, everyone. I've shared with you in the past, um, I don't even have a word for it, but the emotions that I have leading up to a Sunday morning, um, because it's not fear, it's not worry, Uh, I, I guess maybe you could call it anxious, but it's not anxious even in a bad sense. I've described it before as the feeling that I used to have when I played football and when kickoff was about to happen, you know, and you know, boom, it's, it's just about to begin. And those are the feelings that I have usually every Sunday morning, but, but sometimes they come in different directions. Sometimes it's because I have no idea. Or, or very little idea, very little of what I recognize he's going to speak that morning. That's probably more than half the time that's, that's the feeling that I come from. The other side of the coin is when I know so much about what he wants to talk about because he's just been filling me with it, you know, for, for previous days and, and even, even weeks. And, and so it's this excitement that, man, I just can't wait. But today I, I'm, I'm experiencing a new one. Apparently a coin has three sides. <laughs> today it's kind of a mix between the two because I know what he wants me to talk on. I'm excited, but I'm trying to disseminate What's for you and what's just for me? And so I guess we'll see where he takes this. Um, because this, this week has been an extraordinary week. And what he has been revealing and what he's been showing, uh, at least to me, in my mind, has been quite extraordinary. Also, the things we see going on in the world. I, I, I thought last week, he gave me actually this picture that I put up on the screen. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure if that's the direction he's going to go, but he gave me the picture twice, two weeks in a row, so I figure I'll give you the picture. This idea about America being at war. Okay? And, and this is, this is an internal war. It's, it's a civil war if you will. And what I want to make clear is what this really is, because it's not a race war, even though the media would try to make it look like that. It's not a Democrat versus Republican war, even though the media will want to make it look like that. And in in many ways, those are how things will manifest, but that's not really what's going on. The war in America is really a revolution. And I, I know, I know, I don't know if NSA and all that like tags words and stuff, but this one will probably be tagged if that's the case. Because it is a new revolution rising up. <clears throat> Let me explain myself, because we, we, we as Christians keep thinking we've got to get the America back that it used to be. But I want you to recognize that God's idea of America is not ever what it used to be. But literally what it's never been. Now maybe we have gone further away from what He wanted it to be. But what God wants for America, what He wants for the world, is what He wants in His bride shining. And that's something America has never seen. That's something the world's never seen. We've talked about that before. But the war that is in America right now, and why, by the way, why America? Why, why am I not preaching in Nigeria and saying that the real war in Nigeria? Okay, well, first of all, 
You can plant that in any nation in the world. And it will ring true the same way. But why is America different? America is different because America is the world's leader. In many ways, the way, and, and I know that, that there'll be some disputing this, I get that. But in many ways, the way America goes globally is the way that much of the world will go globally. Certainly that way militarily. Certainly, even though we don't flex those muscles, by the way. If we did, if we were Rome, I mean, we would be Rome. We would be the globally dominant leader, right? Because that's what Rome was. We have the greatest military that this world has ever seen, but we don't flex those muscles. But yet, the direction we go with that is the direction the world goes. The direction America goes economically is the direction the world goes. If you don't believe that, look at the turmoil globally right now because America's policies on trade are changing. Right? You see the turmoil, you see the, the, the just insanity on TV over some of the reactions and then you see other reactions in the good. Bottom line is America has a voice that God has given it for a purpose. That purpose has not been realized yet. But it's going to be. See, when our founding fathers came over and began this nation, started this nation, they they began it with an idea of freedom from what they were dealing with over in Europe. Freedom of religion. Freedom of being able to worship how they want to worship. Freedom of not being told what to believe or who to believe in. Those were the, by the way, they came over here with the ideals that we're, we're not, we're not going to force anybody to have to live in a way that we have lived. They didn't come over here saying, okay, we're going to force everybody to believe in Jesus Christ. They didn't say that. Even though the majority of our founding fathers were believers in Jesus Christ. You'd say, well, okay, why didn't they come over here and just start it that way then? Because I believe they fundamentally knew. Fundamentally knew. The only way to build a strong Christian and a strong Christian community is to embrace the choice that each one has. The choice to believe or not believe. The choice to fall in love with Jesus Christ in relationship. See, there has to be a choice in order to really recognize that. And we've talked about that. It's the same way with love. There, if, if, if there's no choice in love, then it's not love, right? So I think the founding fathers recognized this. And I'll tell you somebody else who recognized it. Satan. Satan recognized it. Why? Because he has access to our books. He has access to our books. That's why he is in court every day. Revelation 12.10, he's in court every day accusing, accusing, accusing. Now, by the way, you ever think why he does that? I mean, have you ever really thought about that? Okay, wait a second. God the Father, who is pure righteousness, who sits on the throne, right? Who judges pure righteousness... He's up there judging. Satan comes before him to accuse us of all these kinds of things. You ever think, okay, seriously, why is he wasting his time? Because God loves us. We're his child. We're his bride. We're his child. See, that one, that one tripped me up for a while. I had to work through that one a little bit. Because, see, in reality... And I've said this to you before. The Father can only judge. He is only allowed by His own choice 
He is only allowed to judge what is in front of him. So when the Christian who has Jesus Christ in their heart, but doesn't understand this idea of relationship, doesn't understand this idea of what's coming against them, does not show up in court, who's got the advantage? You bet, Satan does. See, now Satan works out ways to gain authority in our lives, and that's, this isn't the direction I'm going, but or that I feel the Lord wants me to go, but I do want to say something about this. Because it's important. See, Satan knew right away, or before we, our forefathers even got over here, what America was supposed to be. And so he began to develop strategies to encumber this nation. To encumber this nation in authority after layered authority. So it takes a lot to dig through. Right? See, where we sit right now, it, it, it's extraordinary. We're, we're what, 235 or somewhere around that years, years old, right? But see, in reality, Satan began to gain authority in this country some 15 years before we were a country. And I'm not going to tail off into that either. I just want you to understand that he had a plan to get a hold of the authority in this country for the very purpose of stopping what God is doing in the bride today. Now the beauty of it is he can't stop it. He can't. Why? Because you're dealing with the power of God versus the power of Satan. It's not even a comparison. Not even close, guys. Not even close. The only reason it seems close is because the Father, for the choice of love, said, I will give them a choice. And it put the authority in our laps. See, in your own relationship with Christ, you have the authority to give it to Him or to give it away to someone else. By the way, there are only two choices. Whether you think there are more or not, doesn't matter. There are two choices. There's God and there's Satan. Right? But you have the choice. I have the choice. That's why right now, significant things are beginning to happen in the bride, in this remnant that we keep talking about, to literally stand up and take back that authority. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is why it's so important to understand this relationship with Christ. Because the cost that people have paid, and specifically the bride has paid for 235, whatever it has been, years has been a huge cost. But do you understand? It's nothing compared to the cost that God has paid. Do you think, for a second, sometimes we don't think of God as having feelings. You know, but if you, if you read throughout the Word of God, especially the Old Testament and reading of the Father, you, you see He has incredible feelings. You know, he, he was angry when, when Israel would turn away from him. He was sorrowful and filled with mercy when they would come back. He, he would look at them and say, look, look, if you just do what I say, I will fill you with so much power you can't believe it. See, we don't think of the Father as having much emotion because we kind of think of Him as a robot. He's a yes-no guy. He's a a zero or a one. And you kind of type in your question and He spits out an answer. But see, the Father, imagine how He's felt over the last 230-some years. Having to judge where He's got Satan barking at one side and He's got 
nothing from the Christian on the other. Outside of Jesus on his right hand saying, I know they're not here, but they're your child. And I love them. And I died for them. And my blood covers them. So what would happen if we start showing up? What would happen if we start to say, no more, no more of this. Why? Because your word says no more. And if, if the decision needs to be made in the courtroom of no more, then we stand up and we plead the case as to why no more. Now we also think, oh, isn't that what we're doing in prayer? And yes, it is. Yes, it is. But understand, okay, I'll go there. Go to Zechariah. This is the opposite way I thought he'd take me, but go to Zechariah chapter 3. I think I preached on this once. Or at least said something about it because I remember the application of what happened with Joshua and, and, and that application in my own life and in ignition and, and what he was doing in the bride. But this past week he's taken me here again. And I just, I want to go through it real quick and then, then maybe we'll get back to 1 Corinthians. I don't know. You know what? Before we go here, sorry. And I could just read this, or you could turn there. Isaiah chapter 62. I want to read just the last part of it because we've been told that this is the charge for ignition. In, in literally this end time prospect of Israel becoming jealous so that they might believe. I just, I just want to preface what we're going to get into in Zechariah with, uh, with Isaiah 62. And we're going to begin at verse 10. And Father, oh Lord, please shut my mouth. Shut my mouth if it's not where you want me to go. Lord, I, I, you know my heart, you know my heart. And, and I, I'm, I'm struggling between what you have told me to give and what you've told me to keep. So I desire your will. And I pray that you speak and you just shut my mouth if I'm going in a direction I'm not supposed to. You know, I was feeling that way all through worship and that last song. By the way, that last song, that's something you call prophetic worship. Okay? I, I mean, if, if that isn't what you call it, that's what I just called it. Because as, as Brooke allowed the Lord to speak through her, what you don't understand is he and I were just having a conversation. And it was like, that was his answer to me, like that. I was just asking him, and it came out of her mouth. So trust in what the Lord's doing, guys. We're going to begin at verse 10. And remember, this is the charge for ignition. Go through, go through the gates. Prepare, prepare the way for the people. The people there is talking about Israel. God's chosen people. Build up, build up the highway. Clear it of stones. Lift up a signal over the peoples. By the way, clear it of stones as any stronghold that the enemy has prepared to bring that blindness to his chosen people. Clear it of all stones. Lift up a signal over the people. Behold, the Lord is proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. His reward is relationship. 
His recompenses don't mess with my kids. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Talking about Jerusalem. Now back to Zechariah chapter 3. So we have this charge as ignition. We have this charge of letting the Lord do exactly what He wants through us. Why? For the purpose of bringing on an eye-opening to Israel. I know that sounds insane, guys. I know it does. I mean, forget the fact that it's, it's us. Okay? But even the bride. That sounds insane for the bride. Why would God literally want to develop His bride into what He said in Revelation 3, just to make Israel jealous? There's a simple answer. Because He loves them. Because He wants them to believe. And because they chose not to believe in the Messiah as Jesus Christ, He needs to show them who Jesus is. See, it's kind of like, and we've talked about this, everything that happens in the natural, that battle is won in the Spirit first. Okay? Everybody agree with me on that? Okay, it's the same way with Israel and the bride. Before Israel will come to a point of accepting Jesus Christ as the Messiah, it will be because what He wants to do in His, in, in His chosen people, He will do in His bride. To show them. Not to say, see, this could have been you and you messed up, get out of here. It wasn't for that. It was for, see, this is what I want to do with you because I love you. And, and none of that has changed. None of that has changed. He loves His chosen people. Don't misunderstand me. He, Israel is His chosen people. They are. That doesn't mean that we're any less important to Him. Because He said when we believed, we're grafted in. We're grafted into His family. We become His adopted children. They are His natural children. But his natural children turned from him when he sent his son. Because they didn't recognize his son. So there will be a building up of the bride to bring a literal jealousy the Bible talks about. And it'll be that Israel will come to recognize, wait a second, that's, that's supposed to be us. That's supposed to be us. What do you think will build up to the thousand year reign of Christ? Do you think it'll just be in a day's decision, Jesus just decides, okay, it's time to come down now and we've had the tribulation and I come now and, and okay, now believe me. No. If you think that, I mean, I, I really encourage you to dive into the word in terms of the prophetic view of Israel. And what they will be. And what he wants them to be. Because they're not going to be forced to believe something. They're going to want to believe in Jesus Christ. They're going to want to. Why? Because of the position they take for the thousand years. So, so understand that what God is doing in his bride right now, will mirror what he has done in Israel. Did you get that? What he is doing in the bride right now will substantially be the same as what he has done in Israel when he was with them. And by the way, he's not. Right? His glory left the temple. That the last temple that they had, that they still have the wall up and or, or part of it up, but the last one that was demolished in AD 70, the Lord wasn't there. 
His glory was not there. So he is going to show through his bride what he wanted to do with Israel. So, so as you go through, I want to encourage you, as you go through the Old Testament and, and just consume it, don't assume, oh, he's talking about Israel, so that really doesn't apply to me. That, see, that's how I used to be. I used to, you know, what, what's, you know, we can pull some principles out of the Old Testament, but really there's not a lot there that applies because it's all about Israel. Well, recognize if it's all about Israel and what he did with Israel, it's all about you. It's all about you because you're grafted in. You're his adopted children. And what he is going to do in you is what he did do in Israel. And what better way to make them jealous? What better way than to say, look, here, this is what I want to do with you. Takes us to Zechariah chapter three. And this was, this was just in, in the, the history of this. This was before they built the, this last temple. And Joshua was the high priest of Israel at the time. And Zechariah, he was one of the prophets. Um, and this is a vision that Zechariah had. I want to begin verse one of chapter three. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Okay, so Joshua is seeing, or I mean, uh, Zechariah is seeing this vision of a courtroom. And he's seeing on one side the accuser, Satan, accusing. And on the other side, he is seeing Joshua, the high priest, And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now, by the way, what that means is, have you not read his books? Have you not read his books? See, but you have to understand, if Joshua didn't choose to go before the court, he wouldn't have been there for his books to be read. Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. Hmm. See, what's going on there is a purity. What's going on there is a child of God who comes before the Lord and, and says, I'm sorry. I want your will. I don't want to walk in my own ways. I want only what you want. And he was given clean clothes. Verse 6. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you will rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Okay, did you guys get that? See, it's so easy to read that and miss it. Because it sounds so much like, if you, if you, if you do what I say, and if you just obey, you're gonna have a good life. You know, you'll have joy, you'll have the fruits of the Spirit, you'll, you'll have this peace. Okay, wait a second. That's not what it said. It didn't have anything to do with this earthly place. Recognize where He is. He is in the court of heaven, standing before the throne of the Father. And He says, the Lord of hosts says, if you will walk in My ways and keep My charge. In other words, Keep His plans, His commands. Keep His word for your life. 
there are two things there I want you to recognize. If you will walk in my ways, okay? That is the personalization of His law in your life. Because keeping His charge is keeping His, His commandments in your life. We know those commandments. The two main commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love. Period. Now, by the way, those aren't the only commandments. I've achieved love, so now I can go out and rob a bank. No, you know. If you really achieved love, you're going to recognize that that's going to put a pretty big barrier up between you and the Lord. Right? Because sin is not something that we just get a check mark against us on. Sin is something that literally begins to build a wall. See, if you're building relationship with the Lord and, 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 and you begin to, just little white lies, just little embellishments, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting a resume together and, and, you know, I know I didn't actually do all that, but, you know, it's, it's a given. You make your sound, yourself sound better than you really are. It's just normal. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Now, by the way, I say that because that's exactly how I felt. When I was in the business world, that's what I did. President of the United States. No, sorry. You know, but what you're really doing is you're building a wall brick by brick. When you give a little bit of authority away, the enemy takes authority and says, take one step further. Take one say it's no big deal. I mean, I mean, really, in, it, it, it all kind of goes toward what you're good at, even though you've never done it. It's okay. You, you, you know, you can do it. It's just building that wall. Building that wall. Those walls that go up between you and the Lord are what keep you from that relationship. That is keeping my charge. Now, keeping my way, what is Christ's way? Christ's way was whatever the Father told him to do. Christ's way was, was every step that he took was out of the will of the Father. So what he's saying here is, if you listen to me and you keep my ways, you go the directions I tell you to go, which means you have to have a relationship with me, and you keep my charge, meaning you keep my commandments, you stay within the realm of keeping our relationship pure, then you will rule my house. Not your house. Not your house here on earth. Okay, this is an extraordinary statement, guys. You will rule my house and have charge of my courts. I don't know about you, but that sounds to me like a game changer. I'm going to share that this, this is really, this is really what I didn't think the Lord would, I, I guess Satan knows already anyways, so no need to pray stealth. See, I think the Lord's trying to tell us that we fight these fights all wrong. And, and, and I mean historically as the bride. We just wait till things are bad enough and we're beat up long enough to where we cry out for mercy and we pray that something changes. God, change my circumstances. Change America's circumstances. You know, 60 million babies have been slaughtered. Change the circumstances, God. And, and he's sitting up and in court and, and he's like, yeah, would somebody come up and argue that, please? Please, I'll rule on it so fast if you'll just come and argue it. But it's got to be somebody that's had clean robes given, that walks in his ways, that adheres to his commands. But see, when, when I get those people up in front of me and they stand against Satan and they argue the case, who do you think's going to win that case? I mean, really, what he has laid on my heart so strongly is that he wants, he wants us to go to court over this abortion thing. So many other things, too. But this is the one that sat on my heart this whole week. And, and, and I truly didn't think the Lord would bring this up. But 
I guess Satan knows it anyways. He knows this is happening. He knows what the Lord's doing. He knows he's opening our eyes to the court. But how do you think it will rule when, when we go to court and we stand up and we basically show in the Word of God that at conception, it's life. It's life. That's what the Bible says. It's life. Now remember who you're talking to. You're not talking to, in this scenario, we're not talking to a human uh, judge. We're talking to the Father. And we're saying, life begins at conception. And then Father, taking a life is murder. That one's easy. Deuteronomy chapter 20. You don't even have to, I mean, that's an easy one. See, to me, I would think this would be such an easy case. And I can only imagine what the Father is thinking up there, thinking, please, come and argue it. Please, come and argue it. Why? Because everything must be decided in the Spirit before it can happen in the natural. Now, because of our prayers and the bride's prayers just overwhelmingly going before the Father about abortion and about some of these things, He is moving on the circumstances of it. Recognize what we pray. We pray every night on the prayer call. By the way, be on the prayer call. Be on the prayer call, guys. Seriously. And don't get on at 8.33. Okay? It's like we got four or five people on at 8.31 when... when Corey or Wendy or, or, or Cole pick all the people, and then boom, flood of people by 835. If you wonder why it's the same people that pray all the time, it's because they get on at 830 or 829. But I, I want to encourage you, if you want to be in this war, get on the prayer call. That's not even a request, guys. That's not even a request. That is a, you have a responsibility If you're part of this team, if you're part of this army, you have no choice but to. Why? Because what you bring to it is your unity of my yes. Yes, that's what I'm praying along with. Even if you're not one of the ones praying. But guess what? If you get on at 829, you might be. Oh, I just derailed myself. Sorry. But I can just imagine the Father saying, I want you to just come up and and argue this. Argue this with Satan so I can rule, so I can bring this change. And he wants to do this with so many. You know, the vision that he has given me, and this is crazy. This is crazy. An insane law firm. An insane law firm that what they do is they absorb the word of God so deeply that they can go before the court and they can argue God's own word before Satan. See, because what shuts Satan down is not, not our pleading for mercy. What shuts Satan down is God's word. To be able to stand there before the Father and say, wait a second, life begins at conception and and abortion is murder, period. The defense rests in two sentences. I couldn't even imagine what Satan's response to that would be. Actually, I could. Because he, he doesn't really hold in his emotions too well. He tends to be a baby when God's word comes against him because he knows he has no power. There's no power. I can't imagine what he would say outside of just stomping out of the court. But see, when that ruling comes down, that I rule in favor of banning abortion, that it is wrong, it is illegal. 
then our prayers have more power. Because when you go to execute, you know, think about somebody who, who uh, you're a landlord and you have somebody in, you know, renting from you that hasn't paid in three years. <laughs> right? You should have kicked them out a long time ago. You go and you get a authority from the court that says you have the right now to go execute this judgment. They are not allowed to be there. Legally, it is yours. You have the right of execution. You take that certificate. You take that right of judgment. You go and you serve it on them. And then they have to leave. It's the same way, guys. It's the same way. When we get those renderings from the Father that no, America is not allowed to have abortion anymore, period. Then we begin to take that certificate and through prayer we go and we serve it. We serve it on the enemy. We say, no, you're not allowed to be here. You're not allowed to have authority in this. You think it's starting to go crazy now. Wait until this comes about. This is truly America's war. And it's not just a war over babies. So much bigger than that. Which, even if that's all it was, it would be huge. But this is over the bride being readied for her groom. And how it drives the entire world. So he said, again, just to read it again. Thus says the Lord, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you will rule my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Who was standing there that he said? If you look up further, it's, it's the angels. It's the angels that are there in the court. It says, I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. He's not talking about a human court. This is going on in heaven. This is going on before the Father. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. He's talking about Jesus. This is before Jesus came to the earth. He said, Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts. I will, will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig. If you don't believe that this fight is about statutes, statutes, laws, I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 94. This entire chapter is talking about the current status of America, but I want to begin in verse 20. And we're going to close with this. We never did get to 1 Corinthians, did we? <laughs> well, maybe next time. Can wicked rulers be allied with you? Those who frame injustice by statute. Okay, just stop there for a second. Read that again. Can wicked rulers be allied with you? Those who frame injustice by statute. In other words, they take what is wrong and they make it legal. Does that make it right before the Lord? Of course not. Absolutely not. But what Satan does is he makes it right before men and that's good enough for people that don't have relationship with the Lord. It's just, he's putting it out right here. They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. Okay. If that didn't slap you in the face, I don't know what will. 
Because these little babies are innocent. Who are the innocent? It's the little babies are innocent. They've been condemned to death. We're reading what is going on in America right now. But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, my rock, my refuge. He will bring back on them their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. For the Lord our God will wipe them out. And I, I, I want to I go back to verse 12. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, to give him rest from days of trouble. And I love the next word. Until. Until. You know, some of the most powerful words in the Word of God are until, or but, or then. Because what he's saying is, I'll give you rest from these days of trouble until a pit is dug for the wicked. See, as you pray, as you build relationship with the Lord, and we've seen this, guys, this is not, this is not prophetic. Okay? We've seen this over the last few years in ignition. As we give our hearts to the Lord, and we go to that prayer call every night, and we pray, God, we pray that you expose everything in this nation that is a stronghold of Satan. Expose everything that is a stronghold in your bride. Expose it, expose it, expose it. When we go and we pray that, there's power in that prayer. Why? Because God starts to do it. I mean, I don't know about you. I know, I know we have mostly young people in here, but, but for those of us who have lived a while, okay, me, 30 years, yeah. No, for those of us who have been on the earth for a while and 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 been aware of politics and and whatever for a while, we understand that that God allows those pits to be dug. And the craziness in our country right now may seem for you young people to be, okay, well, yeah, I've never experienced, so this is probably the norm. This isn't the norm, guys. The craziness in our country right now, we have not experienced like this for a long, long time. I'm not saying we've never experienced it. Because I remember the fight over abortion. I was a little kid, but I remember it. I remember the turmoil that was going on back then. Okay, that's what it's like right now. There is a churning, there is a turmoil going on in our government right now. Why? Because we're praying. And not just us. Many millions of others are praying as well for, for the exposure of the enemy in this, in this, in this country. And so what's God's answer? God's answer is, I'll give you rest. Just keep praying. Come to my courts, fight. But I'll give you rest from these days of trouble until I dig a pit for the enemy. Now, in reality, I think the enemy dig their own pit. I mean, they really do. Look at it right now, what's going on in, in the government. All the things that are coming against certain things, and, and I, I don't want to get too political in this, but, but basically it's coming back on themselves. Those who screamed against Kavanaugh. Well, you did this, and, and I, it, there was this little thing here that, that mixed with my conjecture over here, and, and then you sprinkle a little fairy dust, and then all of a sudden you did this 35 years ago. Okay, and we thought it was ridiculous then, right? But they pushed it. Now it's coming back on them. By the way, it still is ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous that they have to deal with it too. I'm not saying that the issue is ridiculous. 
I'm saying that if you want the truth, why can't we get at a person's heart right now? Uh, praise God, I am not the same person that I was when I was 20 years old. Even though I was really cool. I know Shannon saying, yes, I'm sure you were. No, I'm not the same person. Why? Why? And, and none of us are, hopefully. Well, a lot of you are 21, but anyway. You know what I'm saying. You're not the same person you were when you were three. Well, Shannon might be. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you get for... You wait. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, we're not the same. Why should we... Why, why would we expect someone not to grow? Now, sad thing is, many people don't grow, or sometimes they get worse. But, but bottom line is, shouldn't I be able to answer who I am right now? You know, now all these things coming out to, to produce this literal race war in this country, right? Well, you did this back 35 years ago, that means you're a racist. I don't get it. I, why can't you just ask the person and expect a, a right answer? If you ask me if I was a racist, I didn't even... Before God, I didn't even know what it meant. I mean, I grew up in the military. I grew, I grew up in the Marine, a Marine Corps brat. I, I didn't even understand the difference. Right? I mean, I, I had all colors around me. They would tan, I would burn. <laughs> it, it, it didn't even dawn on me until I went to college. I went to college in the South, and that's when I started wrecking. So I'm not, I'm not saying that racism isn't real. I, I, I completely believe it's real. But I also believe it's perpetuated. See, the enemy wants to perpetuate it. Because he doesn't want the heart of the bride, how the bride is right now. If we, if we were to look at everybody here who who came here, if we were to look at them before their broken status, you know, in, in the status of, of their brokenness, and we were to be judged on that alone, we, we'd look very different. We probably would be a cult. <laughs> right? But we would look very different. But see, we are bathed in the blood of the Lamb. And not only that, but we have built relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and have chosen to walk in His ways. That makes us different. So why does Satan get to do this? Why does he get to perpetuate these lies? I'm convinced it's because the bride has not figured out how to take him to court and muzzle him. See, because I have seen him muzzled. I have seen him have to accept a verdict in court and be muzzled. And literally, I have seen him go from blah, blah, blah to where he couldn't speak. So don't think for a second God can't muzzle him. He absolutely can muzzle him. He just needs reason to. He just needs us to understand and to go to the courts... But more importantly, the prerequisite to that. Walk in my ways. Obey my charge. When there's a group of people willing to do that and willing to live their lives laid down like that. Oh man. No wonder Satan's afraid. No wonder he's afraid of this time because he doesn't want us to get it. You know, those of you who, who are, you know, in school or wanting to figure out what you want to do with your life and, and I, I, I have an idea for you. How about going to law? <laughs> but don't waste your time at law school. Go to this law school. Dive into his word. 
become so ingrained in his word that, that you don't have to wonder what, what the father said about a certain thing. You could, it's right here. This is what he said about abortion. It's right here. This is what he said about gay marriage. It's right here. You, you want to understand marriage? Let's go back to Genesis. Let's go back to Genesis and the very first marriage that he put together. You can make such a difference in this world. And I know this is what he... T- this, this calling... This is why I didn't know if he was going to have me talk about this today. Because I didn't know, Lord, is this just something you, you are applying to me? And, and, and I, need to, I need to just you know, walk and trust you in it and, and whatever? Or is this something that is everybody? And it's clearly everybody. So you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility and you have an avenue to make the difference. But will you take it? It costs you because it takes relationship. It takes walking in his ways and obeying his charge. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you, God. And Lord, I just pray for your will to be done. I pray that you rise up in your bride, in your remnant, legal eagles. Those who not only know your word, know how to research your word, know how to study your word, but those who also trust you in arguing your word. Before the enemy. Literally, like what we do in temptation, resisting the devil, he'll flee. He has to flee. So, Father, help us to resist his pushing, his agenda. And Lord, I, I ask that you allow it to start here in America. That you develop teams to do that very thing that go before your court and argue what seem to be some of the most simplest concepts. Because God, we just need it to change here. We need it to change for your sake, for your name's sake. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I truly believe, as Greg was speaking today, that the biggest reason why we don't show up and fight on behalf of these various issues and these struggles coming against the bride is because we are so bogged down with the accusations against our own lives. I really believe that showing up to court on behalf of your purity, you know, Jeshua, Joshua, it's also in a translation pronounced Jeshua, the high priest, it might be intimidating to think that, okay, well, he's got to come with authority because he walked in, in purity. So how do I walk in that purity? You need to know what you have access to in the courts yes. for your own daily accusations. Some of you have been to the formalized courts with, with people helping and, and walking you through it and seers being able to help you and, and the Lord revealing even curses generationally back to be broken. But how are you doing since then? Every single time, there is a biblical formula to come against the accusation, to ask for forgiveness, 1 John 1, 9, and then to cast it away. Because once we're in right standing with forgiveness of anything that God reveals to us, then we have authority to remove it. And so we will never be able to help one another, help the nation, help the bride, help the church, if we are unable to understand our own freedom that's available to us through what Jesus did. Jesus paid it all. So when the enemy comes against us, we have to take the blood of Jesus, take the authority that he gave us through Jesus to tread on snakes and scorpions to the Father and ask for forgiveness when something comes against you and then cast it, remove it. I went through the, the formal courts in terms of you know, finding out things in my bloodline and so forth. 
But even now, every day, if, if I am getting pummeled with, with voices or if I, you know, in a moment of weakness, if I even make a declaration of my frustration or, or speak something that's against the truth, Satan goes right away. Can't wait to get to the courts. See, 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 she doesn't trust you today. She doesn't trust you today. So when the Lord, when I, when I'm seeking in relationship with God, the Holy Spirit brings that to my mind and says, okay, you know what? Ask for forgiveness. It just, it quenches his spirit. See, the conscience that I have is because the Holy Spirit is within me building this wonderful, beautiful spiritual conscience that I literally feel this cringing squeeze within me when I deny or defy my conscience, when I do anything that's apart from what the Lord wants. Because his DNA is within me. And I'm allowing him in my relationship to transform my mind, my my thoughts, my, my entire temple into his image, into his way, so that I can begin to, to see what pleases him and what doesn't please him. There is, there, the, one of the biggest lies in the, in the bride today is that it's not really possible to walk in purity. If you really believe that, how can you ever apply the scripture Greg gave today that we can actually go before the throne for any, any larger issue? Because you'll never ever believe that you can go before the Father pure, following his commandments. That scripture does not say we have to go before the Father perfect. We just need to go before the Father righteous. And that's what the blood of Jesus paid for, our righteousness. So it is very, very powerful to understand, which Greg has said so so many different times in the messages, the power of a pure relationship with Jesus, the purity that comes through Jesus, not because of who we are, but because of what he made us through salvation, through the blood and payment of sin on the cross. I said this to the ladies this morning, you know, sometimes in the battles in life, we gotta go back to the foundation. What is the gospel message? You know, it's not like there are just other subjects. It's all connected. It all starts with what eternal life offers us. It's all about, the eternal life does not start in heaven. And that's the big misrepresentation of John 17, three, that eternal life is that I might know him right now, right here. When you invited Jesus to come into your life, and I hope you have, I pray that you have, that right there started your eternal life. You have the opportunity to be in relationship. It will be enhanced because there will no longer be faith needed one day. But by faith, we have relationship right now. Not the eternal life, future, future. There is something right now in this life. We are overcomers. He that is born, 1 John 5, 4, He that is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So when we believe him, when we know that we can go before the throne, we can pray for our loved ones. Some of you have lost causes that Satan's whispering to you right now. There's a lost cause. This person's coming against me so bad. My finances will never be this. I'll never be able to get breakthrough in in my health, in my money, in my relationships, in my job. In, in my future, I'll never be able to, these, these whispers of constant defeat. See, cause Satan is going to keep on whispering until something breaks through. Cause the second you're in agreement with his, with the whispers, he can take it before the father. Say, see, 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 see. John just believed that lie today. I've got it right here. He believed it. How does John get out of that? He says, father, forgive me. And you are faithful and just to forgive me. Amen. And now that I'm in right standing with you, I command you to leave, you liar, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a powerful thing. Yeah. It's a powerful thing. That's how we get to walk in purity. That's we don't right. have to put up with the garbage the enemy sends our way. We are overcomers. And believing that is the victory. The faith is the victory. Praise God. This is deep today. It's deep, but it's so important, so important. And many of us right now are getting hit on various levels in ignition. But you know what? Welcome to the battle, the Christian life. It's one today. Um, It'll be another thing tomorrow. And the overcomer isn't just because you go through one trial in in the uh, entirety of your life here. We are going to learn to be overcomers in the midst of the storm. Peace was never promised circumstantially. It was promised in the storm. And so I know for me, with my own trials, so much physically, um, I have seen God's provision, his hand, his love over me, the fact that he will absolutely never leave me or forsake me in a more real way 
than that principle that I've learned since I was a child. Because it is real to you when you feel like everything has left you and forsaken you and that there's no help available and God shows up at your point of need and says, yes, that, that is the truth of my word. I, that is a true statement because guess what? I'm going to prove it to you. So these trials will build our faith. You know, we hate them. Our flesh hates them. I hate to be sick. I hate to be in pain. But boy, oh boy, who God is in those times is awesome. It's awesome. It's all context. It's all context. He is so beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful savior. You really don't know how beautiful he is until you've gone through ugliness. Because the contrast of the ugly to the beautiful, the dark to the light, the storm to the fair weather is so significant. And sometimes God has to allow that in our lives to show us who he is. I'm just so thankful. I've just been in awe all morning of of who he is. But, um, But again, listen to this word, but boy, get... Get excited about what God is revealing to us about the courts. Um, it's not some ignition thing. It's a biblical principle of practice of how we war in the spirit. Yes. And um, so for anybody watching online, as we refer to the courts, it's not just something that, that a particular group, you know, found out was their little niche of what their churches know. This is the foundation of how God made it available through his word yes. to be able to come before the father and fight on behalf and to break curses and to block and to seek healing. Okay. If by his stripes we were healed, then don't you think we should have a right to go before the courts and say, guess what? You paid. I'm, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Every, every stripe you took is access to my healing and, and argue that point, argue that point. Cause Satan would love to see us all sick and withering away. He seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. Um, this 